Welcome to Church Hurts and the good, the bad, and the ugly about church, religion, and spirituality with a dash of recovery thrown in. If you've ever had questions about the church, maybe a bit jaded in your attitude towards religion, well, you've come to the right place. Our host, he was an honors philosophy student, ordained a Presbyterian minister, planted three churches, taught at a prestigious university, but now, now he's just an aging curmudgeon who never quits asking the question why. The host of Church Hurts and Dr. John Bash. Who is your most favorite famous personality, writer, actor, politician? Isn't that an easy icebreaker for a small group discussion? I'm guessing your mind's already wondering to the things you tell people about those antidotes, those everything to your tongue. And now imagine that you have the opportunity to introduce that person to the world, not just with words, but you get to play them as a part of a movie. Play them on the big screen. Today, we welcome to the stage the screen actor, writer, talented in so many ways, Max McLean, a man whose credits are easily found on Google, or better yet, at the Fellowship of the Performing Arts webpage, fpatheater.com. Max, it is great having you here. Can you tell me what it is like to play C.S. Lewis on the screen? But, but before that, let me ask you this. You really believe this stuff, don't you? Oh, the, the idea of uh, Lewis, uh, the most reluctant convert, how he went from vigorous debunker of Christianity to, uh, as he said, I finally gave in and admitted that God is God, knelt and prayed, perhaps that night the most dejected, reluctant convert in all England. Uh, yeah, and Lewis uh, helped to clarify that for me. Uh, I think your question was, uh, do I enjoy playing Lewis? I love playing Lewis. I love being that smart for 90 minutes uh, to be able to use language the way he does, uh, to bring that constellation of thought, story, uh, prose, poetry, uh, intellect, compassion, uh, his uh, emotional intensity that, you know, what he thought, what he felt were so linked. Uh, so, yeah, I uh, I love doing it. I loved playing him in the film too. Tell, tell me this: um, the film has a subtitle, "The Untold Story of C.S. Lewis," right. and yet C.S. Lewis is one of the most famous skeptics turned Christian in the past century. What's that twist that's untold about that? Well, it was uh, it was certainly uh, 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 Norman Stone, the director. He he thought that was a, a really appropriate way to to introduce, because you didn't put C.S. Lewis the title. If you said C.S. Lewis, the most reluctant convert, it might come off as a as a, as a documentary. Uh, and yet we wanted to get Lewis in the story. And really this part of his story, I mean, he's known for Narnia, he's known for Shadowlands. Uh, certainly among scholars, uh, Lewis scholars, and among uh, sort of Protestant uh, and uh, conservative Catholic, conservative Protestant uh, religious people, his conversion story is really uh, pretty well known, but it's never been told on screen, mm -hmm. uh, at least not completely, and certainly not using his words. Uh, the The story comes from his memoirs, 
surprised by joy. Uh, joy to him is a technical term, meaning uh, longings, uh, 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 the sort of the German word for longing. And uh, Lewis uh, uh, used that longing as his pointer to heaven. To if you know, he he famously said uh, that if I find in myself a desire that no experience in this world could satisfy, the most probable explanation is I was made for another world. And Lewis's genius is that he points people to another world. You know, uh, we postmoderns uh, we we think this world is the only world that exists. And Lewis said, the question is, that's the real question. Everybody answers this world, the only world that exists, or is there, uh, or is there another world? Because if you answer, uh, uh, if this is the only world that exists, if you answer yes to that question, then, then any other question, uh, it becomes, you know, immaterial. Uh, so he wanted to make sure that people realize it's an either or question. There either is or there is not another world. And if there is another world, what is our accountability to it? Early Earlier this year, uh, The Guardian, interesting of all kind of news outlets, but The Guardian did an article about the film being made yeah. and expressed the possibility that um, there really might be a timeliness to this, uh, which I find interesting because Lewis is such a mid-century guy. I really almost see him as a transitional from the kind of Victorian era, but he, he was so influenced by World War One and World War Two. Um, talk to me how he speaks to the culture today and in well, postmodernism. I, yeah, it's very interesting. You, I see him as a bridge to postmodernism now, uh, you know, primarily because he's so adamant about this other world that we're not allowed to talk about. And yet he talks about it so imaginatively in all his writings. And because we don't hear about it in any other platforms, you know, ex, uh, except those people that uh, the, well, a large number of people still go to ch uh, go to church. But even in there, it's still in a very concrete sort of world of all these Christian suppositions. And what Lewis wants to do is, you know, the Christian supposition needs to be earned. Before you can talk about Christ, you have to you, you have to talk about, you know, I mean, Christ came to save, save us from what? Uh, you know, if we don't have any uh, uh, any uh, uh, feeling of that, we're we're guilty. We have any, if there's no nothing to be uh, uh, forgiven for, then what's the point of having a, uh, a savior? So uh, Lewis wants us to to really uh, reintroduce uh, that we are accountable, that we don't live up to, you know, if we have these feelings of guilt, uh, you know, why have them? If there's no moral imperative to follow, then where does sense of guilt come from? Uh, that was really important to Lewis. Uh, you know, he, uh, he, he says famously, the Christianity didn't, uh, doesn't solve the problem of pain. It creates it because, you know, if, uh, the problem of pain would not be a problem unless you had some assurance that the, that ultimate reality is is uh, is loving and and just uh, and righteous. Uh, if 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 we're a product of atoms colliding in skulls, biochemistry and and uh, and physics, then uh, then the you know pain and suffering is 
is part of a reality that's capricious and and part of a, a reality that is unrighteous, is unloving. Uh, so uh, Lewis wants us to ask those questions. Really, in the classic line reminding us it's hard to describe evil in a positive way, we have to talk about it as the absence yeah. of good. And, well, uh, he, he says, uh, he also says that, uh, you know, I, uh, my, my argument against God was that the universe was so cruel and unjust, but where did I get my notion of cruel and unjust? Yeah. I call a line crooked because I have some idea of a straight line. What am I comparing this universe with? If when I call it cruel and unjust, there, there's no category. You know, we uh, a friend of mine, Frank Turek, says we are always stealing from God. <laughs> That's good. Let me, let me just uh, take a break for a second here and mention that people might still be able to get tickets. I mean, it's sold out in a lot of places, but you can still go to cslewismovie.com. Yeah, they're, they're selling. Out. Yeah, they're keep adding, they're, they keep adding screens. They're being very generous about that. So, uh, we're, so wait, I think we're, yeah, I missed it. C.S. Lewis movie.com. C.S. Lewis movie. Way to get it. And I wanted to, I just, let me say, I, I have seen this movie and it is one of the, you don't just want to go to once. I mean, you want to go over and over. You've heard a little bit Max is you're quoting directly. I'm sitting there saying, stop, rewind, stop, rewind. It's just amazing, amazing stuff. And, and let me say this as well. Um, this is Church Hurts And, and uh, you can go to churchhurtsand.org to find out more about we, what we do. We have about 60 podcasts up, but I work with Standing Stone Ministries, where we help people and come alongside people in the ministry, and, and we're fully dependent upon your support in doing that. But let me, um, let me mention a few of our other shows you might want to catch. One is Fiction Meets Life, where we... Uh, uh, interviewed the novelist Michael Phillips, um, who's produced so many of uh, uh, George MacDonald's works, uh, who we remember C.S. Lewis called the master. Um, and you also might enjoy our uh, conversation with Michael Christensen entitled Romantic Theology. And uh, then there's one, Michael. too, called Deep Pain with Dr. Mark Talbot, which we're going to do a lot more with him. So click on if you're enjoying this show, click on some of those. And and if you would click on the donate button and find out more about us, it doesn't go into your credit card too quickly. You still have to click another button after that. But, Max, this is Church Hurts and where we know that church is associated with pain for many people personally, historically, and considered irrelevant in the modern era. C.S. Lewis struggled with that too, didn't he? Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, he, he was an Irish Protestant and, and what, what, uh, you know, he grew up, his, his picture of, of Christianity was through his father, whom he had a terrible relationship with. Mm-hmm. And uh, and part of it was your 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 religion was uh, was depicted by what you were against, and primarily because you were Protestant because you weren't Catholic, and uh, and that was what what uh, organized your community, and uh, and that really left him in a terrible distaste, and it still does. It, you know, as we we experience that here. Uh, but of course, he lost his mother to cancer. He prayed. Uh, God didn't answer his prayer, so he assumed that prayer doesn't work. Uh, of course, he, he admits later that he didn't approach God as savior or judge, but as magician. 
He simply wanted him to restore the status quo. Uh, and then, you know, after he'd done his business, he would just simply go away. Uh, you know, we're kind of similar that way. Uh, I mentioned his relation with his dad. He, he was uh, experienced the butchery of World War I uh, and the savagery of it. Uh, you know, he said the uh, war was the place where youth and laughter go. Uh, the hell where youth and laughter go. Uh, he came back from the war with the with the opinion that either there was no God behind the universe, a God indifferent to good and evil, or worse, an evil God. And uh, and so that was his starting point in terms of of how deep his atheism was, his unbelief was. Uh, I mean, I uh, you know he had the rhetorical gifts. He he would have been like a. a uh, 1930s, 1940s, 1920s, uh, Christopher Hitchens. Uh, he had those gifts. Uh, speaking of those gifts, uh, Max, you, you've done a lot on Lewis, not just this. You aren't mm -hmm. the actor who kind of studied the guy for the part. I mean, I mean, you've uh, written a lot on Lewis. You've done a lot of other things. Um, I, a lot of people don't know about the screw tape letters. I just want can I just get you to do a few lines and set up? You did the screw tape letters on off Broadway or how, that play was going for quite a while, wasn't it? Yeah, it ran for 300 performances uh, at the West Side Theater here in New York, and it toured extensively and played in London. Uh, it's a it's a really important show. I mean, it's a very important book. Uh, you know what it is. Lewis is. Uh, is talking about spiritual warfare from a demon's point of view. He he looks at temptation from the devil's perspective, uh, the art of temptation of an unsuspecting human on earth. And he, he himself was sort of the model for the patient, the object of, of, of screw tapes, uh, 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 the tempting that screw tape did. He was the object of it. And, and that's what makes the book so compelling because he was, uh, you know, he was being so transparent about his own uh, bouts with temptation. And, and he, he, he constantly talks about, you know, we, 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 we like to point fingers at, at great crimes and sins and, and how those other guys are so awful, you know, whether it be, you know, different political party or, or maybe a different tribe, you know, they're different, uh, different than us. And Lewis says, no, you, you've got to talk about the pettiness in your own heart. You got to talk about the uh, the uh, anger, the greed that is that's where that's where the, the devil lives there and, and all of the offshoot of that. So it's in the small everyday things that your heart changes. Uh, and he makes this marvelous point in, in uh, Mere Christianity, he says that. You know, every time you make a choice and, and when you consider how many choices you make in a given day, you know, uh, hundreds of choices to do this as opposed to that. And then if you multiply that by weeks, by months, by years, hundreds of thousands of little tiny choices, every one of those choices changes you. And, and you're slowly becoming either a more he heavenly person or a more hellish person. Uh, because your character is being formed by the decisions that you make, those small decisions that you make. And that's kind of the heart of what the screw tape letters is about. It's interesting. He deals with such a serious topic. And yet I bet there's a lot of laugh lines uh, in the play. <laughs> well, he's because he's talking about human experience, you know, and 
you know, a lot of them need to be set up. So it's like hard to to do it. But he, I remember it just the, the, the cleverness, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot without milestones or signposts. Your affectionate Uncle Screw Tape. <laughs> Me, uh, you've also done a lot of voiceovers, and I just mentioned that because I know a lot of people who they know the Bible because they listen to Max McLean. What was it like doing a, a I don't do we call that a voiceover on of the well, Bible? It's more of a narration, I think. It's yes. probably more like a book on tape. Uh, I mean, I've, I've I've recorded the Bible five different times. And it's it's a glorious, uh, you know, more people know my voice than they know my my stage work or my film work. Uh, And I'm you know, I'm just always grateful for for that. Um, My uh, my initial thought uh, in terms of the work that I ended up doing was to use the skills and techniques developed in the theater, apply it to to uh, presenting. Uh, the Christian revelation, whether it be scripture or, or works of C.S. Lewis or others. I, I was struck, or I shouldn't say I was struck. I am struck numerous times in your readings. It's almost better than commentary. Just reading, reading it with the right emphasis, with the right pauses, parts of scripture that seemed really hard to understand all of a sudden become clear. I guess I'm trying to say thank you. I mean, it, well, it's really a gift. And wow. But, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I think Paul says somewhere, I think it's in Galatians. He says, uh, I wish I could be here so I could send you, 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 uh, you could hear my tone <laughs> uh, because he couldn't get that off at, in, in writing. Uh, and that's sort of it. You know, you're, you're dealing with intention. You're dealing what's motivating this particular moment. Uh, and you, you you make a choice based on that and you deliver it to give people uh, something to grab onto, to hold on to. So in many ways, it is a kind of an exegesis. So I do feel responsible. But you, you do let the, the, the language of the text uh, guide you into uh, how to articulate that moment. Um, Lewis was anything but wishy-washy. And yet it seems that everybody wants to claim him from all sorts of different perspectives, uh, whether it's even Roman Catholic. I mean, I'm, it just reminds me of it. Like everybody wants to associate with Augustine. Everybody kind of wants to claim Luther. And and Lewis is another one of those characters. And am, am I right in maybe appealing to the title mere Christianity to find an answer to why that is? Well, um, you know, he in his preface to Mere Christianity, he says that he wanted to he wanted to concentrate on those tenets of the faith that were uh, that were believed by most Christians most of the time, uh, and uh, and so, you know, he wouldn't uh, he didn't comment, for instance, on the 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 uh, deification of Mary, you know, and he explains why, um, but. Uh, but I also, but that, on the other hand, on, on the fundamentals of the faith, he believed that there is but one God and that Jesus Christ is his only son. You know, that was a non-negotiable. He believed in prayer. He believed in the, the judge. He believed in the second coming. He believed in the judgment. He believed in heaven and hell. He said when, you know, and, and of course, mere Christianity was done during the blitz. 
And he said that, you know, uh, he was pretty frank about the reality of the Christian revelation because he said when bombs destroy our homes, talk of Armageddon no longer seemed fanciful as in this weak piping time of peace. Uh, and we experienced a little bit of that, you know, here in New York, where I'm from, where I live, uh, 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 9-11, 20 years ago, is there was an, uh, there was an immediate reality of our mortality that, you know, that nothing clarifies the mind so much as knowing that you're going to be hung in a fortnight. Uh, so I think Lewis uh, uh, brings before us the truth that here we have no continuing city. We await the one to come. And that's why he's constantly pointing to this other world, you know, that uh, the Christian revelation is that uh, the God who created the world came into the world, was unjustly killed by the world to rescue the world from death. That is what is to be believed. And that's what people have a hard time believing. And, you know, he feels that so much Christianity is a vague slush of humanitarianism with a few Christian words sprinkled in like salt and pepper. He says, give me a clear eyed skeptic any day. At least you can talk sense. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is so Lewis. Uh, yeah. I, um, I, I watched an interview uh, a while back with Douglas Gresham, yes. uh, one of C.S. Lewis's stepsons. And I thought it was so interesting when he was talking about Jack, of course, the name everybody um, who knew Lewis called him by. And he said when he first met Jack, he was actually quite disappointed because he was expecting a more lively character fitting the creator of Narnia. You know, where's the chain mail? Where's the sword in walks this Oxford yeah. professor? And a, disheveled had... one, a disheveled one at best, too, that probably hadn't changed his clothes in days <laughs> and days and had uh, cigarette burns in his jacket. Um, yeah, he 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 was. Uh, uh, pretty slovenly in his dress, and and uh, he didn't care about things like that. He was an Oxford don, but his mind was. Uh, I think uh, Douglas was was very impressed by the wit and the uh, uh, the sharpness of of the intellect, uh, and sharpened his intellect. In fact, I just I just had an email exchange with him, and uh, uh, he 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 commented on the film because I sent him a screener and. He said it was really hard to watch because, you know, he just lived through all that, uh, particularly the early scenes with the loss of his mother, because in many ways, the that experience was repeated in his life. Right. Oh, I, I can't imagine watching it, but particularly so much of this was filmed on site. I mean, what a beautiful film, you know, the, the work, the filmography is just amazing yeah. uh, being there. And you were filming a lot of it during the pandemic, weren't you? Yeah, we did. I mean, it was a blessing in the sense that, uh, you know, the British uh, film industry was was opening up in August of 2020. And Norman Stone, the director, uh, told me that, uh, you know, if uh, in June, that if we could get a if if we if we wanted to, we could film it in uh, in the fall because uh, and he could get a really good crew because uh, nobody had worked since March. And I said, well, if you can guarantee, if you can, uh, you know, confirm that and make sure the locations are available, we'd have a go of it. And we did. Uh, he did. And I got my board to fund the the uh, the filming of it. We worry about post-production and worry about distribution later. 
And uh, so we began filming in mid-September, finished in mid-October, and here we are a year later about ready to release it. Well, I just want to thank you for your work, not just for this film. And it, it is just fun to be able to, to be able to really see, you know, you, I mean, you are a, a theater actor who becomes all that much more alive on film. And I hope it was kind of a treat for you. My guess is it was different though, wasn't it? Oh, it's so different uh, being, you know, in film, they cut it up into a hundred pieces and, and then do everything out of sequence. And then the director puts it all back together. Of course, I knew the sequence, so it would have, you know, it would have been very challenging for another actor to do it. Uh, whereas, you know, in, on theater, you do it consecutively, you rehearse it consecutively and you do it consecutively. The one thing is on film, I don't have to do it again. You know, it's, <laughs> it's on, it's there uh, on celluloid and will be there. Uh, I think it'll be an evergreen project that'll be watched for years. Well, I do too. Again, I, I encourage people, if you can get to this film, bring a friend and it's a great, it's a great discussion starter, but I want to just say a few words before I let you go, Max, what church should you go to quote? And above all, you must be asking which door is the true one. Not which pleases you best by its paint and paneling. The question should never be, do I like this kind of service? But are these doctrines true? Is holiness there? Does my conscience move me towards this? Is my reluctance to move this door due to my pride or my mere taste or my personal dislike for this particular doorkeeper? Unquote. C.S. Lewis, mere Christianity. That's a great quote. In my lifetime, I've observed faith in God moving from a rather passive assumption in the culture around me to a rather passive irrelevance. Mm -hmm. Which church should you go to is a question with far more assumptions than a modern American would now make. Atheists have claimed the high ground in academia, somehow assuming they've won the day, disinterested in revisiting arguments from antiquity, which allowed theism to dominate world history. In my world, I come across a lot of atheists and less courageous agnostics. When allowed the chance, I often express to them my envy of their assurance. I tell them I might be willing to join them, but I just can't get there intellectually. This usually causes them pause. That's their line. Did he just say he can't get to atheism intellectually? What they don't know is that I don't believe they came to a belief in the absence of God intellectually either. It doesn't take a genius to look at the sunset and have a pretty good intuition that this didn't come from nothing or chance, which is another word for nothing. As prayers are canceled in public gatherings, I haven't noticed many hospitals and senior centers asking for fewer chaplains. When one is waiting for results of the cancer screening, I don't know many calling out to the local atheist society for help. If you are reluctant to follow thinking, which could land you in the camp of Christ followers, perhaps it would be worth the time to meet one of your predecessors. His name is C.S. Lewis. You can find him in the movie, The Most Reluctant Convert. Oh, and don't be surprised if he becomes a rather good friend. It's worth a thought. For Church Hurts and this is John Bash. Go and enjoy God today, won't you? Well, that was worth a thought for sure. And 
brings us to the end of this edition of Church Hurts and. Next week, it's rumored we'll be walking on the edge of controversy, stirring the pot of denial, and finding movement of the divine. Our host, Dr. John Bash, is a shepherd with Standing Stone, a nonprofit ministry committed to caring for pastors and Christian leaders at risk of leaving the ministry prematurely. Come visit us at churchhurtsand.org. Tell us your story while you're there. Until then, remember, Church Hurts isn't the end of the story. Now go into the end. Enjoy God today, won't you?